Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host, for Nick's Nerd. Oh, hey there, friends. It's me, your host, Nick. This is Nick's Nerd News. Welcome to the show. It is July 21st, a Wednesday. Jesus, are we that deep into July? Well, I'll be damned. That's nuts. And if you hear fans in the background, that's because it's fucking hot. (laughs) It is hot as balls here in San Diego. Well, for us. I know it gets hotter in other places, but it is hot and muggy and gross. And living upstairs is is just hot. (laughs) So excuse the fans so I don't... uh, sweat all through the podcast really anyway hey fans friends family associates acquaintances all of you in between welcome back welcome in if you haven't been before this is nixner news like i said we're uh no filter here folks no filter so uh you heard the f-bomb really early today um it is marked explicit. Anyway, just uh, some general housekeeping. Uh, this week is going to be the third week for the East, the 101 Esports League's Summer of Smash. Uh, I will be shoutcasting for a third week this Friday night at 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we will be on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash the 101 League. You can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at the 101 League. It's a local esports league based out of Oceanside, California. Uh, great to support them. Um, their first real thing they've been doing is is this Summer of Smash. It started two weeks ago. I have been shoutcasting uh, every Friday night for the last two weeks, and uh, this will be the third. Um, next week will be the final week of the Summer of Smash, and of course uh, they'll be hosting more games to come. Um, I am very excited. I, I hope you guys tune in. And uh, like I said, you can find it at this, uh, the 101 League, um, or you can go to the 101 League on Instagram, you can go to the 101 League on Twitter, you can find them at twitch.tv slash the 101 League. And if you wish to participate, uh, this is an in-person Smash tournament, you can register at smash.gg slash the 101 League. But yeah, make sure to check us out this Friday. Uh, big shout out to my friends over at the 101 League. And uh, I'll be shoutcasting again this Friday. Anyway, welcome to Nick's Nerd News, guys. Uh, let's uh, let's get into the thick of it, shall we? To uh, borrow a phrase uh, that's going very viral. I think it's from some kid's show, to be honest. I don't know. Um, but hey, let's talk about the biggest news in gaming this week, right? This past week. Um, and that is the Steam Deck. It is a new handheld console coming from valve it will retail for four hundred dollars and it's essentially it's a handheld pc right and it had been rumored in may but uh it was essentially announced uh like on ign so it's a little bit bigger than a nintendo switch Uh, it has full steam os um a lot of buttons and stuff on the back. I guess you can dock it and play on PC or on like a, a monitor 
Uh, it's got triggers and touch pads. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look much thicker than a um, than a Switch. Looks very almost almost identical to be honest. Um, I I personally am not super interested in it just just because it's not really something that would I would benefit from. Just because a, a lot of games that I play on Steam are RTSs, and this is not really conducive to, to those types of games. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's got a, it's going to have a new version of Steam OS. Uh, it's got a console-like interface. Interface, um, some solid hardware. It is a seven-inch, twelve eighty by eight hundred resolution, sixty hertz LCD screen. It has a custom AMD APU uh, featuring a four-core, eight-thread CPU. Uh, it's got uh, eight RDNA 2 compute units for the GPU and 16 gigs of LP DDR5 RAM. Um, it's a lot stronger than a Switch, as people have pointed out. Like someone, uh, I saw a meme, it was like, that's how you do a Switch Pro. Um, and uh, you can run it in high, some games in high graphics and... Everything that you'd expect on a on a handheld console nowadays. Um, it does have Bluetooth support, so headphones, things like that. It does have a docked version. You can hook it up to external display. You can hook up mouse and keyboard. Um, and then, like I said, it will actually have three different models. It starts at four hundred dollars uh, with sixty-four gigs of storage. There's a five hundred twenty-nine dollar model with two hundred fifty-six gigs and a six hundred forty-nine version that has five hundred twelve gigs. Of RAM, um, and that one also has anti-glare etched glass on the more expensive version. Um, the two more expensive versions will also have faster NVMe SSDs, um, and you can use a micro SD to expand storage faster. Uh, no hard release date as of right now. Uh, it is slated for fall. Um, we got a whole lot of other information on it. Um, Valve says that there will not be thumbstick drift. Um, I mean, we've seen it happen on a lot of things, especially the Switch and the PS5 lately. Um, I guess IGN will have more coverage on the, the hardware later this month, they've announced. Uh, but per Valve, they said, quote, We've done a ton of testing on reliability on all fronts, really, and all inputs and different environmental factors and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, this was from hardware engineer Yazan Aldehayat. I think we feel that this will perform really well, and I think people will be super happy with it, and I think it's going to be a great buy. I mean, obviously every part will fail at some point, but we think people will be satisfied and happy with this, unquote. Um, the designer of it, John Ikeda, said, went, quote, We purposely picked something that we knew the performance of, right? We didn't want to take a risk on that, right? as I'm sure our customers don't want us to take a risk on that either, unquote. Um, so that is pretty much what they promised. Steve, Steam's biggest competitor, Epic, uh, even Tim Sweeney, the head of Epic, praised it. Uh, Phil Spencer over on Xbox praised it. So this is what Tim Sweeney said. He said, quote, in, on Twitter, Amazing move by Valve, a handheld PC console hybrid running the SteamOS fork of Arc Linux. And it's open platform where users are free to install software of their choosing, including Windows or other stores, unquote. That's big from, yeah, because that means he knows that people can put Epic on it. Uh, 
Phil Spencer went on to say, quote, this looks really great. Congrats to the team at Valve Software on getting so many of us excited to be able to take our games with us wherever we decide to play, unquote. And lately, Microsoft's partnership with Steam, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised at all if somehow Xbox Game Pass made its way onto this thing. I would not be surprised in any way, shape, or form if if it makes its way on here. I can already see it now. Um, it, it's just... They, they've instituted an, an anti-scalper way, apparently, as well, to, uh, to be able to sign up. I know quite a few people that have, that have signed up for it so far. But Valve announced, so you must have a Steam account, and uh, it had to be created before June of 2021, so it can't be a new account. And it essentially is a way to keep scalpers off, right? Because you actually will enter, enter a virtual queue. Um... And it was essentially made so that they could make sure that most real people would get it. And uh, they said, quote, this is uh, Valve's Pierre Loup Griffa. Griffa. He said, quote, we think that a system like that should greatly alleviate the stress around not knowing if you're going to be able to get your hands on a product, unquote. And uh, the head of Valve's director of hardware product development, Shreya Liu, also said, quote, There are still going to be challenges there, but at least we know that because of the queue reservation system, they should be less frustrations for consumers on the buying front, unquote. So it looks like they're they're really keeping in mind um, making sure scalpers can't get a hold of it because, as we all know what's going on with consoles right now, that um, it's still very hard to get them. Um... Obviously, there were long waits and crashing browsers trying to get them. That's that's almost obvious. Um, don't be surprised. They also said if you might have to wait until next year, because uh, it's it's going to be possible that they are they're shipping as many as they can. And I'm sure with the semiconductor shortage, there's no guarantee that you'll get yours right away. Um, Ubisoft went on to say so. Ubisoft is partnered with the Epic Game Store right now. That's where they sell their games on PC. Uh, after closing whatever they called theirs. I don't even remember. Uh, they did say that uh, Ubisoft is looking at the potential of putting their games on the Steam Deck. Uh, Yves Gimo, uh responded to an investor question during their investor call. And he said, quote, We're happy to see Steam Deck coming to the industry. It shows that it continues to a flow of very innovative new hardware coming to the market. So we will look and see how big it becomes. But if it's big, we'll be able to put our games on it, unquote. Obviously, he's referring to Steam's other ventures in the past in hardware that didn't really go anywhere. Um, You know, there were the Steam machines that pretty much faded into obscurity. Uh, I had the Steam Link, I think I had it. It was was like five bucks. Um, I I don't even remember what it was called, but it was a thing you could hook up to your... TV and like a Bluetooth control, any controller really, and like play or a, uh, a mouse and keyboard and like play your Steam games. That thing was garbage. It was garbage. That's probably why it was five bucks on on Black Friday sale on Steam. Anyway, the Steam Deck launches this fall. Uh, no official release date. Uh, starting at four hundred dollars. Uh, and then final bit of story here on the Steam Deck. 
they did announce that they you will be able to upgrade the the SSD. Um, however, it won't exactly be. Um, it is upgradable because it's not soldered on, but it's not necessarily something that you can really just go in and do without issue. Um, so they're they're they are socketed, but they're not soldered on. Um, it it's not easy to do. Uh, I know the PS5 will have a spot that's easy to do. Um, uh, the Series X, of course, has expandable memory. This one you will have to mainly use. Uh, SSD cards, uh, or SD cards, excuse me, but uh, you will not be able to technically upgrade the SSD that that is built in to the Steam Deck. Uh, retails for four hundred bucks. That's pretty solid for a handheld gaming PC. Uh, moving on, uh, QuakeCon has been announced to be taking place this August. Uh, no word on if it's going to have in person or if it's going to be. Um, virtual only. Um, EA has also confirmed, so tomorrow they're hosting EA Play Live where they'll, where they'll be announcing uh, new games and things like that. They have confirmed that no new news on Skate or Star Wars, any EA Star Wars games, um, but they did release some things related to Skate earlier this week, hinting at a possible open world game and map for what would is essentially going to be Skate 4. But... Uh, we don't know exactly what they're announcing tomorrow, um, but just don't expect, expect EA Star Wars games or Skate 4. Uh, today, of all days, uh, Pokemon Unite launched, which is the new like MOBA-style Pokemon game on Nintendo Switch. I haven't seen a lot about it, which makes me think that maybe not a lot of people are playing it or that interested in it, I guess. I, I don't know. Um... I guess that's uh, what's going on. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Pokemon Unite is a thing that is out now. I know people weren't jazzed on it when it was announced anyway. Um, but yeah, moving on. Um, Phil Spencer was on Kind of Funny Games on their Gamecast or uh, whatever they call it. Um, yeah, the Kind of Funny Gamecast. And... Um, he he was asked a question, but but anyway, he, he was essentially went on to say, quote, I really wish as an industry we'd come together and help preserve the history of what gaming is about so we don't lose the ability to go back. As an industry, I would love it if we came together to help preserve the history of what our industry is about so we don't lose access to some of the things that got us to where we are today, unquote. Um... He also went on to say that, quote, it was an amazing when Bethesda came in and we were able to put so many of the old new games or new old games into Game Pass and go back with the legacy that we have with some of the IP. Even thinking about things like Rare Replay was a really interesting thing for us to go do and letting people go and experience some of the old Rare IP, unquote. And and this, this is brings up a good point. When you think about it, game preservation hasn't been uh, as important as, you know, film preservation, as uh, um, TV preservation, things like that, right? And, and granted, that, that goes into the fact that the video game industry is not even 50 years old, or it's, it's getting there, it's slowly getting there, you know, with, with Atari. But for a long time, video games were not considered 
anything special or spectacular. Hell, I, there's barely any video game museums. I, I think the Library of Congress only recently started admitting video games into it. And, and they preserve almost every film and TV that uh, show that, that is asked of them to preserve. So it, it, it's kind of on the makers and developers themselves to kind of uh, keep track and preserve it. Hell, look, here's a prime example. This game was trash, right? Everyone knows the E.T. debacle. The, the Atari 2600, I think it was on the 2600, the E.T. game. That was nothing like the movie, right? And it, it, they blamed the crash on it, but almost every copy was either discarded or dumped in a landfill in New Mexico, right? And it's very rare to find like a working copy. And, and hell, look at old cartridge games. Those games, A, they were made of materials that didn't hold up very well. CDs don't hold up well at all either. And, and luckily, a lot of that stuff can be saved on, on hard drives. But, but and, and then, A, let, let's talk about cartridges in general. Everyone thought they'd just blow in cartridges. Like, no. Blowing in cartridges is one of the single worst things you ever could have done to your game. Because over time, all that moisture in your breath, all that moisture in your breath would have just destroyed the chip inside of your cartridge and it would have destroyed those 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 pins on the cartridge itself just like whoever said blow on it just oh god just it was so terrible to do that but but phil has a point it's like they should start preserving games more and and hopefully they'll get their due in places where they deserve they are an art form they are an art form. We've come a very, very long way, you know, from, from 8-bit and pixels and shit. And, and it's just, they, they deserve credit where credit is due. And I, I hope things start to change more. They already are. But, hey, moving forward. Uh, switching back to Ubisoft, they have announced that Rainbow Six Extraction has been delayed to January of next year. Meanwhile's Riders Republic has been delayed to October 28th. Uh, both games are heavily anticipated, uh, but have both been delayed due to ongoing uh, struggles related to many other things uh, in the last two years in game development. And uh, they have also announced a new game called Tom Clancy's X Defiant, which is a new free-to-play multiplayer shooter. And if it sounds familiar, that's because they announced their game, uh, what was that called? Elite Squad, like a year ago, that had like a tie-in with all their franchises. Well, this one will as well. This one looks closer. Uh, so it's a free-to-play 6v6 shooter featuring groups from different franchises. Um, it looks to be set more in the, um, the Division world of anything. Uh, and will feature players from, uh, so groups, like your, there are these different teams that you can customize your characters and weapons. Uh, the Wolves from Ghost Recon, Echelon from Splinter Cell, and then the Outcasts and Cleaners from The Division. Um, and they're going to be adding more as time goes on. It looks like possibly even uh, characters from uh, Watch Dogs and, and everything. Oh no, Watch Dogs isn't Tom Clancy, so... Um, 
just from Tom Clancy uh, franchises that they have. So I'm sure we're going to get ones from, from Rainbow Six. Um, you can fully customize your loadouts of primary and secondary weapons. There's going to be attachments, more. You get like power-ups and, and ultimates. Um, there's going to be multiple game modes. It looks like, uh, you know what, closer to Overwatch now that I'm, I'm looking at it. Um, it will be launching on August 5th with a closed beta. Um, and you can sign up on PS4, PS5, Xbox Series X, S, Xbox One, PC, Stadia, Lunia, Luna, and Ubisoft Connect. Um, it looks okay. Uh, it doesn't look terrible. Um, I'll probably give it a chance. It looks, it looks fun. Uh, and, you know, their, their shooting has always been solid with some of their games. So it's, um, expected to, I, I think it will do okay. Um. Yeah, that's funny that they they're they're shutting down their elite squad game. I think that was mobile though. Um, they have also announced that they have nothing new to provide on Beyond Good and Evil Two, and that it's too early to talk about. Still, at this point, I don't think that game's ever coming out. And speaking of games that are probably never coming out, um, from from Ubisoft. Uh, let's talk about Skull and Bones, which has finally reached its alpha. This game was supposed to come out, like, four years ago. Um, and this is all that came out via Kotaku, a new report. And just that, like, uh, per their anonymous developer sources. So it first started as a multiplayer expansion to Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag. We all know that, because it looks almost exactly like it. Uh, then it kind of turned into an MMO called Black Flag Infinite. Then we got the announcement of Skull and Bones. And ever since then, apparently it keeps getting rebooted every single year. Um, per Kotaku, it was set, has been prototyped in the Caribbean, the Indian Ocean, even a fantasy, uh, fake world, um... There was the ship-based multiplayer shooter shown in 2017. There was the PvE experience shown in 2018. Uh, there's been survival experiences, roguelike elements, live service ideas. Um, some, but there was a floating base element apparently set up at one point. And per Kotaku's report, apparently hundreds of employees have been working on to certain goals... Um, and production costs have now uh, exceeded $120 million. And while other publishers probably would have canceled the game, uh, but due to Ubisoft's deal with the Singaporean government, of all things, they have to release the game. Um, because Ubisoft Singapore is literally the ones leading the charge. And, of course... Uh, I think in Singapore they have to like make out deals with the government when they open up studios and things like that. Uh, there's been max exodus of staff, uh, toxic working environments, and a whole lot of other crazy things. Um, it's even supposed to get a TV show adaptation. Oh my god. This is the most ridiculous thing ever. And it's a game a lot of us want to play... And it's just, it's literally in development hell. I, I just, 
I don't think it's ever coming. Check out that Kotaku article. Uh, it might blow your mind. <laughs> That's wild. Um, moving on. Tencent, the Chinese billion uh, mega corporation, whatever you want to call them, uh, who owns a huge stake in Epic Games and Fortnite, as well as... Um, uh, who else did they buy recently? I don't remember. Um, they are going to be buying su the Sumo Group for $1.27 billion. They are known for, of course, making uh, the Sackboy Adventure game that just came out, uh, Sumo Digital, Crackdown 3, and a couple other studios, and now they will be owned by Tencent outright. Another company bought up by the Chinese corporation. Uh, game Developers Conference will return to in-person activities next March in 2022. So that will be a, a big welcome for the community, especially uh, as we come to Comic-Con at Home is this weekend. And of course, one of the largest comic conventions uh, that is still digital as of now. So it's nice to hear them finally announcing that uh, they will be going to in-person event and hell i'm going to in-person convention next may with star wars celebration um moving on here uh last week we talked about netflix and how they were going to start getting into the game business well we don't have to worry just yet uh they have announced that they will not charge users for any games they will not inquire an extra fee or any extra amount and, and right now their focus will be on mobile games. So, so nothing major, nothing crazy. Uh, but, but they will uh, branch off into some other things. We'll, we'll discuss that in the next, in our, in our TV section of the program. Um, what else is going on? Ubisoft is going to be getting an animated show from the team behind the Castlevania anime. Uh, no word on what platform it will be on. And that's it for gaming, actually. Um, oh, wait, no, I'm wrong. I lied. So, in the wildest story ever, classified military documents were leaked on a video game forum. Yes, you, you heard that right, a video game forum for War Thunder, of all places, a, a tank combat sim. Again, this is per Kotaku. So, apparently... Uh, a user on a forum for the game whose name is fear underscore not and feels that the developers of War Thunder Gaijin Entertainment did not properly design the Challenger 2 tank in the game. They w then went on to post on this forum classified documents from the Army Equipment Support Publication to support their, their alleged claim. Um... Pfft. So, so this is, quote, uh, Fear Not said on the forum, said, quote, As I've stated a fair few times now, the complexity of the construction is sometimes difficult to see show with pictures. It is so complex in the Challenger 2's case that I don't completely blame Gaijin from getting it incorrect. All I try to do is point out the areas where they are incorrect, unquote. Um, this is, again, per Kotaku. They believe that he may be a commander in the Royal Tank Regiment of the United Kingdom. He uh, then proceeded to upload altered screenshots of, of actual documentation regarding the Challenger 2 tank. And 
to to prove his case. Um, then Gaijin Entertainment then went on to say, "quote We have written confirmation from the Ministry of Defense that this doc that this document remains classified." Unquote. Um, who was a moderator for them, and said, quote, By continuing to disseminate it, you are in violation of the Official Secrets Act, as stated by the warning on the cover of the document, an offense which can carry up to a 14-year prison sentence if prosecuted. So don't go look at the documents or share them, unquote. That is friggin' wild. Um, they're not going to change the tank design in the game. Um, so... It's a pretty wild story, if you ask me. Who is going to risk, like, their career and prison over a video game? And if it's historically accurate. Jesus, these, some of these people, man. Look, I'll get, I'll get worked up over games, but not that worked up. <laughs> uh, moving on to television. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is going to star in a spy show called The Sympathizer for HBO. No word yet on plot details or who, who his co-stars will be, but that seems like it's going to be his first big project post-Avengers Endgame. Um, and in a crazy story that came out this week, James Gandolfini was offered a potential part to take over on The Office after Steve Carell left. And apparently HBO paid him... $3 million to not go on the office. And allegedly he was in talks to take over and it, it pretty much was almost him. And uh, this is per Steve Sherapa and was on the uh, podcast Talking Sopranos. Uh, he said, quote, I think before James Spader and after Carell, they offered it to Jim. I want to say $4 million to play him for the season, and HBO paid him $3 million to not do it. That's a fact. Jim was going to do it because he hadn't worked, and it was a number of years removed from when the show ended, unquote. And... <laughs> I, I guess... Um, that's really funny. I guess uh, Ricky Gervais was on it as well and joked that... Uh, uh, they they said it was to quote to keep the legacy of the Sopranos pure, but that's that's hilarious. It was three million dollars to not go on a show. That's wild, man. Could have James Gandolfini on the Office. <laughs> three million dollars to not be in a program. That's funny. Um, and sticking with HBO here, we got some more news in regards to the spinoffs of Game of Thrones. Apparently, another live-action spinoff has been canceled, uh, yet they've essentially possibly ordered two animated spinoffs. And the live-action one that was canceled was... Uh, I'm looking to see... It was the Flea Bottom show, which was never officially, I guess, announced, but they were going to focus on like the, like the shitty part of King's Landing. That sounds terrible. Uh, but the... Uh, the animated show is apparently going to be set in Yi-T, the Golden Empire. Uh, it's never been shown in, in the books. It's never been shown on the show. Uh, it's it's a heavily influenced by Asian culture. It's in the Far East. I think it's in Essos. It's the Far East, if I'm not mistaken. Essos being the eastern 
landmass in, in the show. And uh, per George R. R. Martin, it's inspired by Imperial China. And so, oh, possibly three animated spinoffs. We don't know what, what's going on with the other ones. Um, just that the Flea Bottom show was canceled. We don't know if the 10,000 Ship show is still coming. And the Nine Voyages show, if that's coming either. But we'll see how that all turns out in the world of Westeros. And now that we did get confirmation that Loki is coming back for Season 2, uh, series director Kate Heron, so not, not showrunner or anything like that, the director of the shows, uh, will not be returning for Season 2. So if that means Disney, hi Marvel hires one director for the whole season, we don't know. Maybe they'll hire different ones like, like what Lucasfilm does for The Mandalorian. Uh, but expect Loki Season 2 to have a very different feel cinematically. Uh, Story-wise, it, it won't, but cinematically it will, as a new director will be hired and brought on board. Uh, moving forward, uh, The Continental, the show uh, that was going to be based on the John Wick, um, John Wick franchise, uh, has gone from a like a full season to a now a limited series with three 90-minute episodes. Uh, and it will take place 40 years before the events of the first film, uh, focusing on, of course, the hotel of the same name in, in the series uh, that is a home to a lot of these assassins. Uh, and then The Last of Us, uh, which is getting an HBO adaptation, will apparently cost $10 million or more per episode to produce. Sounds like they're going heavy on the effects. And then... You know, we were talking about Netflix earlier. Netflix, while they're growing internationally, they lost nearly 500,000 subscribers between the U.S. and Canada this year. That means a lot of people are going back to work and they're not watching Netflix anymore. Um, and while I did say that, that they aren't going to be charging for gaming and they're going to focus on mobile games, they're also going to be shifting, not shifting, but... but starting to produce more interactive content. So, so almost like what they did with uh, Bandersnatch and I think I forget what the other one was, but um, Black Mirror Bandersnatch was a like a choose-your-own-adventure type, type story. Uh, they also went on to announce and show off their look at the new Witcher anime series that they're producing, uh, and it will star Thero James as, as the star in a voice role. And now, per deadline, it looks like Netflix may actually, you know, support um, reviving Manifest. Because it's apparently doing well on Netflix. And look, I would gladly take another season if it doesn't get dragged out and have a bunch of filler episodes that do nothing to move the plot along. That is the last thing I want from that show. So if Netflix does it, end it with four, and just boom, figure the shit out, man. Five at the most, just don't drag shit out. Or stuff that doesn't apply to the actual plot. That's all I ask, man. That is all I ask if they continue it. Uh, let's talk about reviews of episodes, because that is it for the news, TV-wise. So, The Bad Batch. 
talked about how I hated the previous week's episode. This week did a bit to resolve that. So, uh, Orn Frita did not get clapped. And we are still on Ryloth. And Hera ends up hiring the Bad Batch to help uh, get them to help rescue her parents. Now, where this episode is redeemed, of course, is Chopper being a badass, as per usual. Um, but we, we get more insight into Hera and, of course, her family and, and, and how the Empire kind of took over Ryloth. But what happens at the towards the end of the episode is it blows the cannon wide fucking open again. And, and we're looking at possibilities of clones that were not affected by the inhibitor chips or Order 66, as we see with Captain Hauser, who openly rebels and gets other clones to rebel with him against the Empire. Now, here's my thing. Let's, we don't know how old of a clone he is, but, but, but from the start, even last week, it, it, it was heavily hinted that the inhibitor chip clearly didn't have much of a, an effect on him as he was uh, very into helping Hera and, and uh, her get out of, out of some things. So it's, it's very interesting to see what will happen this week and if we see more clones rebelling against the Empire. And if we'll bring some stuff from the old canon into the new canon. And oh my fucking god, that Loki season finale, peeps. It was straight fucking fire. It was all... It, it There wasn't even that much action. It was just fucking perfect. And it's all focused on someone you wouldn't expect. Jonathan Majors. Uh, gets his turn at playing a version of Kang the Conqueror. No, he is not Kang the Conqueror, but he's actually playing uh, He Who Remains, uh, but what is heavily implied to also be Immortus, so, um, one of the last versions of Kang. A more benel- benel- ben- okay. benevolent version of Kang. Um, as we also see the timeline fracture for the first time so obviously opening the door to the multiverse of madness we also hear about the um the many many variants of kang and how they all met and how they came to take over and and how they ended up there um i am very 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 excited to see where this goes now we have an idea of how jonathan majors will play kang uh for ant-man and the Wasp Quantumania. We also now have an idea of how Loki Season 2 is going to play out as he is thrust back into the TVA, but a version of the TVA that does not remember him, and Mobius does not remember him. Uh, so this opens the door for quite a bit of things in, in Season 2 of Loki. And I, I am very, 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 very excited to see where this goes, people. I cannot wait to see how this all plays out because this is going to get interesting for sure. And ooh, I loved his take as the he who remains. And just like he just he chews up the scenes he's in. 
and he, he does it with such command and grace. I am very excited to see Jonathan Majors become potentially the next like Thanos level villain as Kang in the MCU. He proved his his worth in just what was that forty five minutes of television on on Disney Plus in in the season finale of Loki. It was amazing. I'm not kidding. It was amazing. I am very excited to see where this goes. It, it was a solid, solid episode. Solid episode. And I cannot wait for season two of Loki. Which I'm guessing will probably take place sometime before Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, so they can allow Kang to flesh his wing, uh, flesh his wings, um, you know, spread his wings there and get him ready to be the main villain in, in the third Ant-Man film. Um, and then Rick and Morty, very interesting, very Hellraiser inspired episode, uh, but also a very Ferris Bueller episode as well with, with, uh, Rick, Morty and Summer and their friend Chuck going out and committing various atrocities in, in Rick's car, uh, as, as well as, uh, Apparently some uh, change bots, change transformers uh, at uh, Space Tahoe and some very, very uh, ski patrol vibes. Interesting. Uh, somewhat of a Jerry-focused episode as well. And Jerry grows some balls for once in, in the show. Very excited to see where that's not going to go anywhere. Because next week, next week looks like we're getting Rick and Morty's take on National Treasure and I'm all fucking here for it. That is it for TV, folks. That is it for TV. Uh, let's talk about movies. And uh, so last week, of course, Black Widow saw Black Widow. And potentially hiding in plain sight was the MCU's first mutant character. Um, in, in the scene in the gulag where Red Guardian is arm wrestling, uh, there's a character that goes up. His name is apparently Ursa in the credits. Uh, and the character is claiming that he is playing the, the classic mutant Ursa Major who uh, transforms into a bear in the X-Men comics and was on the team with Red Guardian. Now, this is yet to be confirmed by Kevin Feige or Marvel, so take it with a grain of salt, but potentially we have, may have seen the first mutant in the MCU in Black Widow. Uh, speaking of Black Widow... A lot of theater owners are very uh, angry with Disney. And, and it has to do with diminishing profits. Because with it being on Disney+, Plus, they are essentially losing out on potential long-term profit or long-term viability for the movie. And uh, the National Association of Theater Owners has essentially criticized Disney uh, for its multi-simultaneous release on Disney+, Plus and in theaters. And according to the Hollywood Reporter, the National Association of Theater Owners, also known as NATO, which is kind of funny, uh, attributed Black Widow's, uh, quote, stunning collapse in its second weekend in theatrical revenues, unquote, to the uh, release of it on Disney Plus as well. And they said, quote, despite assertions that this pandemic era and improvised release strategy was a success for Disney in the simultaneous release model, it demonstrates that an exclusive theatrical release means more revenue for all stakeholders in every 
cycle of the movie's life, uh, they said in a statement. And uh, the, the main reason for that, so it, it did earn $215 million globally on its opening, opening weekend. Uh, it also brought in $60 million on Disney Plus in its opening weekend, um, which pushed its global haul past $200 million. Uh, but in its second weekend, it only brought in $26 million uh, in, the, in, in, in the U.S., which is a very steep drop-off, especially for Marvel movies. Uh, and, quote, it's actually one of the biggest drops ever for a Marvel title and the worst among the Marvel Cinematic Universe's films released by Disney, unquote. And it didn't even make number one as Space Jam overtook it. Uh, Space Jam earned $31.7 million at the box office, uh, 23 million coming from overseas for a total sum of 54 million. Granted, it's still nowhere near what Black Widow did. And, you know, they go on to criticize Disney more and more, and I get it. I totally do. Um, but while Space Jam dominated, I did not pay for that movie, and I ref- refused to pay for that movie. I watched it on HBO Max, couldn't even sit through it. I had to pause and walk away for a while movie is bad and this bullshit that it's made for kids and blah 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 like good kids movies are good for adults and that movie was trash it's everything that was wrong with ready player one there are don't get me wrong there's some good jokes but there's properties that have no business being in that movie casablanca has no business being in that movie they brought back some stuff from the old DC animated universe, you know, like Batman, the animated series, and Superman, the animated series. But then they, like, whore out Harry Potter and Game of Thrones. And Batman is fucking everywhere. Then, of course, for some weird reason, this person, supposed to be the Arnold Schwarzenegger version of Mr. Freeze, is in more scenes than, like, any other person in the movie. Other than like LeBron, is very odd. He's very a very focal point of the whole basketball section of the film because he's always next to John Don Cheadle's character, who is the best part of the film, Algie Rhythm, and it's the most one of the most convoluted plots I've ever heard of. And I, I'm just I'm gonna just quote a, a meme when people say it's a kids movie. Fuck them kids. Fuck them kids, man. That movie was trash. It was a dumpster fire. Even if Chungus made an appearance, it was straight dumpster fire. The movie was terrible. Even kids probably hate it. Like, it was not good. And and LeBron, all the haters, like, get the fuck out of here, dude. They were clowning on your ass in that movie. Just, it was bad. I'm not even going to review it. I'm not even going to give it a score because I hated it so much. I don't know. I could. I barely paid attention towards the end, too. It was just, it was just a, a major, like, oh, here's our characters, and they're just here. And they deserve more cameo. It, it literally, despite being somewhat of a sequel to the original, it plays out exactly the same. They could have done something, something really different, and they didn't. Um... Yeah. Anyway, uh, Colin Farrell today or yesterday came out and and said uh, he was on a podcast. He essentially confirmed that he's like only in five or six scenes 
of the movie of the Batman that comes out next year. Like, seriously? You're going to hype him and get him to play the Penguin? And then you're barely going to utilize him? That's, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing. Maybe it is. Maybe they don't want to overstuff the villains, right? They want to focus on the Riddler. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see as the movie comes out next year. Uh, more and more set photos are emerging of Indiana Jones 5. And uh, one of them had Harrison Ford with mocap dots on his face. So they might be de-aging him a bit. Uh, but it it's increasingly likely that the film is going to be set in the late 1960s. Uh, of course, the last film took place in the 1950s, the previous films in the 30s, um, indicating that the difference in time between when each film was made, so it's reflecting reality, essentially. And um, All of the characters were spotted in very uh, late 60s, early 70s uh, clothing as they're filming on location in Scotland. Uh, sticking, going back to Marvel here, you know, DC Marvel, DC Marvel... Uh, we have gotten an announcement for the official director of Blade, Basim Tariq. I probably destroyed that name. Uh, my apologies to you, sir. Uh, will be directing Blade. Uh, and he's actually familiar for, with... Um, uh, with smaller films. Uh, he uh, directed the movie Mogul Mowgli, uh, as well as... Uh, some other films and documentaries, uh, and he will be taking over, uh, or he will be joining the Marvel Universe, I should say, and will be directing Blade, which will be starring Mahershala Ali, who I think is an amazing replacement as Blade, now that Wesley Snipes is no longer occupying the role. Um, keep moving forward here. How about this? Uh, District 10 is happening, according to Neil Blomkamp. And the reason it's taken so long to make a sequel is because they were looking for a story. A, a story that would fit the narrative that they started in District 9. And apparently they are going to be basing it off of an event in American history. And I wonder if this will see the return of the ship from the end of the first uh, of, of District 9, I should say. District 9, great movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, the Rock has essentially confirmed that uh, he's not going to be in Fast 10 or 11 or 10.2 or whatever the hell they're going to end up calling it. As uh, he was being interviewed, and even though we thought the feud was over between him and Vin Diesel about family and bullshit, uh, apparently, I, I guess um, Diesel recently said he was showing The Rock tough love uh, with their feud, and then in, in a Slash Film interview, The Rock said he laughed hard when he heard that, and said he was not going to be returning uh, for the final two mainline films, so the the Fast Saga, so uh, 10 or 11 or 10.10.1 and 10.2 or however, like I said. Um, he did say, though, quote, I laughed and I laughed hard. I think everyone had a laugh at that, and I'll leave it at that, and I have wished them well. I wished them well on Fast 9, I wish them the best of luck on Fast 10 and 11 and the rest of the Fast and Furious movies that, that they do that will be without me, unquote. Now, that doesn't mean we don't know if he they're making another Hobbs and Shaw. We don't know if maybe the feud will be over and he comes back. Granted, The Rock, I don't know how the man has time for all these things. 
but I personally like the character of Hobbs, and I, I, he, his presence was missed in nine, and hopefully they do find a way to bring him back, uh, and they can end their feud for ten or eleven, for that matter. Um, and then we also found out this week that Mark Hamill has been secretly voicing characters in every Star Wars film since The Force Awakens. And yes, we know he had a, a semi-prominent role in The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, he also voiced a character in The Mandalorian um, in Season 2, I think. Um, and then now we know that he voiced a character in every single film. That means Solo, that means Rogue One, The Last Jedi, and The Force Awakens. So now I'm going to boot all those up and look for his, listen for his voice. Uh, we also got news today that Batgirl has been officially cast for the DCEU for her Batgirl solo film, which I guess is still happening uh, without Joss Whedon, thankfully. Uh, and they have cast uh, Leslie Grace star of in the heights uh to portray barbara gordon batgirl uh she was up against a, a number of different actresses and she won out and no word yet on when that film will release or when it will actually come out or if she's going to be in, in another dc property before that uh but leslie grace is your new barbara gordon folks leslie grace uh currently you can watch her i think it's still available on hbo max in the heights because uh, their their movies are only available for 30 days after release uh, until they come back to the platform later. Um, but, yes. Uh, and then, final bit of news, uh, we actually got confirmation today. The animated Injustice film, so this is an animated take on the Injustice Gods Among Us games from NetherRealm. Uh, this is an expanding, uh, in the expanding world of, of DC animated properties. Uh, the cast list was announced today. I'm not exactly a big fan of it, and and to be honest, it, it doesn't. I don't like the animation style. Um, but as it stands, this is the new voice cast: Justin Hartley as Superman, Anson Mount as Batman, Laura Bailey as Lois Lane and Rama Kushna, Zach Callison as Damian and Jimmy Olsen, Brian T. Delaney as Green Lantern, Brandon Michael Hall as Cyborg, Edwin Hodge as Mister Terrific and Killer Croc, Oliver Hudson as Plastic Man. Jillian Jacobs as Harley Quinn, Yuri Lowenthal as Mirror Master, The Flash, and Shazam, uh, Yuri Lowenthal, very famous right now, of course, for playing uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man in Insomniac Spider-Man games, Derek Phillips as Nightwing and Aquaman, Kevin Pollock, Pollock as The Joker and Jonathan Kent, Anika Noni Rose as Catwoman, Reed Scott as Green Arrow and Victor Zaz, Faran Tahir as Rahaz Al Ghul, a race. God, I fell victim to my own thing. Race Al Ghul. Fred Tassator Tatashior as Captain Adam. Janet Varney as Wonder Woman. And Andrew Morgado as Mirror Master Soldier. How the Mirror Master is coming into this is beyond me. That doesn't make any sense. Because Mirror Master is not in the game. Uh, anyway, that will release this fall, no actual release date, and uh, that is it for gaming, movie, and television news, folks, this was Nick's Nerd News, uh, make sure, again, to check out the esports 
or the 101 Esports League based out of Oceanside, California. You can follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and on twitch.tv slash the 101 League. Uh, I will be shoutcasting for their third week of the Summer of Smash in their ongoing Super Smash tournaments. Um, you can catch me live on Twitch with them on the 101 League on Twitch uh, for their Super Smash Brothers tournament this Friday, 6 p.m., uh, their third week in their Summer of Smash tournaments. And also, don't forget to check out nixnerdnews.com where you can listen to the show right in your browser. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can find links to all of those pages on our website. Also, while you're there, check out our social tab where you can see our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram feeds. We post a lot of fun memes. Uh, or, if you prefer, just follow Nick's Nerd News on Twitter, Instagram, and or Facebook. And with that, I'm your host, Nick, and I will catch you guys on the flip side.